time to thrive. Welcome to the Thrivology Podcast with Dr. Lee Bauckham. Join us as we explore ways that you can thrive in your life, regardless of what life throws at you. It's your life. Time to live it. Welcome to the Thrivology Podcast. This is the podcast designed to help you thrive no matter what life throws your way. And right now we are just kind of at the basic beginning point of a series on the rules that you can live by. Now, this is one of those where you get to choose the rules. I've talked about the laws of thriving, where it's the kind of the natural laws that surround us, kind of like gravity. (laughs) Gravity is one of those given things. But then there are some rules that you might want to follow in order to find better ways of living more efficiently and more than that, to your own potential. This is where we we go from not getting in your own way to deciding how you're going to move forward. And I've got 10 rules that I wanted to share in this series. We started in the last episode, I started talking about fear. The reason we started with fear is because that's one of those things that gets a lot of people stuck. Because they misuse fear. They don't decide to let fear kind of point the way for them. They let fear keep them away. They use fear as an avoidance indicator rather than an importance indicator, something that's important. This week, we turn our attention to this day, to not just this day, but this particular moment and how we show up to that. I've talked about showing up before, and one of the ways we don't show up is by not being present wherever we are. I mean, our body might be there. You know, might have those times in your life when, you know, your body is there, but the mind has gone elsewhere. And that place where we decide not to be present, that's where, or at least where we don't become present, that's where we tend to lose the opportunities of fully living more fully, of, of really living into what's possible. So today the rule is be present in the present. Bring yourself into this present moment. Right now we are awash with opportunities of mindfulness. And that's kind of the catchphrase. Mindfulness is that place of being fully aware of what's going around you. I kind of find it an interesting term, mindful, right? Because sometimes our mind is full, and that's not what we're trying to do. Our mind is so full that we can't be present. And so instead of talking about being mindful, I prefer to talk about being present, that you bring your presence to the present, you're present in the present. What I've discovered is that a lot of times we spend most of our time distracted away from this moment and somewhere else. Maybe you find yourself dragged into the past, thinking about things that have happened in the past. A lot of times that leads to depression or frustration. A lot of times people also get fixated on the future where they're so worried about what's going to happen. They're anxious about what they, even in a conversation, what they're going to say next. Or maybe they're worried even what they're going to do that evening when when they have to deal with other things. Or maybe the next day's worrying them or the meeting that's next week or what's going to happen next year or the fact that you don't know where life is headed. And so then you're living into the future with anxiety. And the interesting thing is in the present moment, there's no need for the frustration or the depression from the past, and there's no need for the anxiety and the fear of what's going to come. There's, there's a space for right here and right now. So what gets in the way of that? What gets us out of the present moment? I think there are two big categories that we want to kind of focus our attention on. 
One is distractions, and the other is thoughts. So think of distractions as the things that are external to you, the things that you allow to pull at you. Distractions like devices, distractions like social media, distractions like, you know, all the stuff that surrounds us on the outside that's calling our attention away from where we really are. If you've ever had that that moment where you look around and you notice that everybody is hunched over and looking at their device, not even there. Sometimes I, I notice that I'm at something where we really might want to be present, some event, and I look around and somebody is not there because they're on their device. And I include myself in that. You know, if I'm somewhere that I want to be present and I pull out my phone, I pull out my tablet, I do something else that's not really necessary to be in that moment, I've pulled myself out of the present and put myself into another realm by distraction. I watched a couple. It's been a few months ago. I watched a couple. We were eating in a restaurant and I looked over and there's a young couple. They seemed to be fine together, but I wouldn't know because they didn't share a word with each other. Both were hunched over their phones. Maybe they were text, texting back and forth, you know, even though they were right across the table from each other, but maybe they were just texting back and forth. I doubt it. What I did notice is that there they were with a, a chance to be present with each other in that present moment, and instead they were stuck in their distraction. And, and that's the, the nature of technology that surrounds us. You might have watched the videos of people who are on their phone who walk into a fountain or fall down the steps or, or, or worse or even get hit by a car or something because they are distracted from the present moment. Now, that distraction has research around it that shows that when we, for instance, you're working on a project and you decide to check that email, the research shows how long it takes us to get back into the mode of what you're working on. In fact, research shows that the distraction that happens causes more of a reduction in work than if you were on some uh, drug or alcohol. You, you lose your efficiency because your mind is pulled from the project. And here's how it generally goes for me. I'm working on a project and I go, hey, I wonder if I got some email. And I go over and I check my email. And then I come back to the project and then I have to review what I was working on in order to get back into it. And as I start to work on it, I go, oh, I wonder if I got a response to that other thing. And I go check, oh, I wonder if I got a response. And, and sometimes I, it's work-related, right? The emails are work-related. But because I allow it to continue to distract me, I'm never present for that, that project. Or, or how about the times when for work, I need to go on Facebook and check something. And instead of getting on Facebook, checking that thing, I find myself lost in my feed. There's nothing wrong with the devices. There's nothing wrong with social media when we decide that we're going to attend to them. To be present for that is okay. If there's something you truly want to be present. And so my, my point of the distractions is the distractions often pull us away from where we could and should be engaged. Maybe you're with a loved one or with kids or with parents or somebody that maybe there's an opportunity to be present there. And instead, you're fixated on that device or, or something else that pulls you away from the person you're with, the opportunity you're with, the experience you're with. 
if you decided that you're going to spend a half a, an hour at some point looking through your social media, then you've chosen to be present for that. So the distractions happen when we ought to be present somewhere else in an experience, in a relationship, at some other place, and we pull ourselves out. The other distraction I said was thoughts. And I've talked about this many times, but let me just kind of give you a brief review of my understanding of the problem with thoughts. See, our mind is created to create thoughts. That's what our mind does. Our mind just makes thoughts up. Some are fairly accurate. Some are fairly inaccurate. And our job is to kind of parse through them and decide which ones are helpful and that we need to pay attention to, and which ones are unhelpful, and we need to let go away. Because not every thought is true. You don't have to believe everything your mind makes up. Not every thought is helpful. Sometimes when we have that self-talk with ourselves, it's not particularly helpful because we're overly critical and put ourselves into worse places than we ought to. We say things to ourselves that we wouldn't even let a friend say, and yet we do that. So our mind is creating the thoughts all the time. And then we have this other piece, and and you may have noticed this in your own life, the the observer part of your mind. So we have the active creating thoughts part of your mind and then the, the observing mind that's watching that. And so you may be finding yourself caught in this thought storm as you think about something and you start adding to it and adding power to it and adding lots to that. And there's another part of you going, what am I thinking? Why am I thinking this? What What's going on here? That's the observer part that's reminding you that you can always step aside of a thought. A thought is just a thought. Now, I don't want to minimize that because thoughts create great things. Every invention that's around, every creation that's around starts in a thought. Somebody says, I wonder how, and they create something from that. That's an amazing thing that humans are able to do. We can also use our thoughts to kind of prepare ourselves when we spend our time doing that. Or we can use our thoughts to chastise ourselves, to really pull ourselves into worse places, to chastise other people coming from our thoughts, you know, as we we let them gain steam. So what I've noticed is that many times a thought comes into our mind that's not particularly helpful, and then we begin to build it up. We begin to add energy to it. We create a thought storm, right? And then that storm begins to buffet us around because our thoughts are what lead to our feelings, not the other way around. There's a lot of of psychology that's built on our feelings leading to thoughts. So a psychologist may say, how do you feel about that? As if that feeling is the important part. What are you thinking about that's making you feel that way is often a much more productive way of thinking about it. So let's say that you find yourself angry about something. Your barometer of your emotions has heightened to this point. It's, they, they, your, your barometer is telling you something's going on in your thought process because you're angry, you're upset about something. So then you reflect back, what am I thinking about that's making me feel that way? And it suddenly puts us in touch with something, at which point, once we're aware it's a thought, we can decide whether it's a useful thought or not useful thought. If it's not a useful thought, we allow it to go away. So that's kind of the nature of thoughts. Our mind is creating them. So how does that affect the present moment? Because thoughts are an insulation from the present moment. Instead of having an experience of the present moment, we have an experience that we think about that pulls us away from it. 
And this is the nature that pulls us out of the present. So you see someone coming toward you, someone maybe you're upset with, and instead of having a conversation with them and maybe even clearing things up, the whole time you're interacting with them, what you're really thinking about are all the ways you're upset with that person. And then you begin to add on to that of all the ways you should be upset to that person and how that person has done you wrong. And you find yourself further and further away from the conversation. Or maybe you're having a conversation with someone and the whole time you're thinking about the next thing to say rather than listening to what they're saying and trusting that your response comes from listening. We often get anxious about, what am I going to say next instead of, what are they saying to me? And if you've ever had that experience of talking with someone who's at that point, you know that there is a distance that created in that exchange because they're not listening to you. They're just waiting their turn in order to tell you what you ought to be thinking. But we all do that. And the task is to bring our true presence into that rather than allowing the thoughts to take over. Thoughts often insulate us from the present moment. And let's just talk about thoughts as from the past, because you can remember something, right? You have a memory of something that you pull into the, in the, into the present and recognize that what you're bringing into the present isn't really what happened. It's your memory of what happened, which we have lots of evidence is pretty incomplete, pretty inaccurate, and yet we bring the thought into the present. So what do we do about those memories? To recognize that they're the same thing. The thoughts we're having that we call memories are simply thoughts about the past that we bring into the present. We're not video recorders. We're not pulling out a perfect memory of that. We're, create, we're, we're pulling out a created memory of that. But what about as you think forward? You know, you're thinking about all the scenarios that ha- could happen, and there are multiple possibilities that can happen. And when we get fixated on that, we're no longer in the present moment, but we're having thoughts about the many possibilities of what will come our way, and we're no longer in the present moment. The task is to become clear about the process of thinking. You can't stop it. There's no stopping your thoughts, and you don't really want to. Because those thoughts are the ones that allow you to create, allow you to understand, allow you to process. It's the time that we allow it. So let's say that there are times when you might want to be on a device. Be clear about that time. Decide that's when you're going to do it. One of the things that is often helpful to me is to set aside a time that I will check my emails during the day that is a specific time and I'm not going to do it otherwise. I don't allow the distraction to get there. There are times when I have to disconnect myself from social media in order to get a project done. And there are lots of of ways to do that. And so your task is to make sure that you minimize the distractions that pull you out of the present. As far as your thoughts, it's more about being aware of the thoughts, because once we're aware of the thoughts, we often get a little distance from the thought. If you're aware that you're thinking that thought, you've already stepped back from it and it's no longer reality, because that really is the danger. Thinking that the thought is reality rather than the thought is there that's creating a buffer from the reality. So as you become aware of your thoughts you can choose to let them set to the side. Now, this is not something that you're ever going to be 100% at. 
I know that because there are groups, the Buddhist uh, followers of Buddhism have been trying to work on mindfulness for centuries, and it's still kind of a lifetime task. It's not something you master because our mind keeps doing that. If you've ever had the experience where you know you're really involved in, in what's been called flow in psychology, where you're, you're you've lost yourself, you've immersed yourself in that experience, and there you are, you're moving along, and all of a sudden you go, "Wow, that's kind of cool. I wasn't even thinking," and suddenly you're thinking again. You've pulled back from that. The way you stay in flow is not to have those thoughts processing, to be, but to be fully engaged in something. But it's time limited. Because you see, our brain is designed to be looking for the next thing to deal with. And so part of our task is to make sure that what we're doing, we're truly doing. That if we're doing a project, we work on the project. If we're having a conversation with someone who's important to us, we have the conversation. We're present. If we're eating a good meal, wouldn't it be nice to be present for that good meal, not lost on media? Now, I do agree that, as the experts have shown, that when we do mindless eating, right, when we go to get processed food or or, or fast food, that part of our task is sometimes to distract ourselves from not noticing exactly what we're putting into our body. And so sometimes people change their eating habits simply because they say, I'm going to be truly aware of what I'm putting into my body. I'm going to be mindful of that meal. It begins to change that interchange between you and the food. So this isn't 100%. I can guarantee you that. I don't try for that in my life. In the mornings, I go and walk my dog. I want to get a little exercise. I want to make sure my dog gets some exercise. And I'm listening to the news. So I'm not simply walking. I'm listening to a news or a podcast or a book on audio, something like that. Uh, so, and I'm not, it's not like I'm 100% listening because I'm also walking. It's not like I'm 100% walking because I'm also listening. But that time is the place I set aside because I'm not there to interact with people. My dog doesn't need to interact with me the whole time. I can have a place where I can live in that world. The problem is a lot of times in life, we believe we can multitask. Research shows that our capacity of multitasking is very low. Humans are not built for multitasking. So when we're multitasking, we're really simply shifting our limited uh, concentration and our limited involvement from task to task to task, never fully being invested in one or another, rather than being present for it as it happens, to be really invested in it. I have lots of people tell me how good they are at multitasking. Research shows that that is absolutely not true. We fooled ourselves into believing that more than we're actually multitasking. Now, you can't do it every moment, so figure out how to plan it into your day. One of the techniques I've begun to use uh, is the Pomodoro technique for getting projects done, where I I set up a specific time of 40 straight minutes that I'm going to do uninterrupted, whether it's writing or a project. At the end of that 40 minutes, I'm going to allow my attention to shift. It allows my brain to do what my brain needs to do, to shift to something else. And then I can come back and do another 40 minutes. Now, what happens in that 40 minutes is not about, oh, I'll check my email. Oh, I'll check my social media. Oh, I'll check on something else. But it's to do the project that I'm actually doing. And when we do that, we get a full investment in the time that our brain is capable of doing before we shift to something else, before we shift to the next piece that needs to call our attention. When we do that, we're using the capacities of our brain to stay focused for a certain period of time before we shift away. So our task 
is to be present in the present, being aware of our thoughts, choosing not to be constantly distracted. And this is especially true in our relationships. Nowhere else do we need extra attention of being present in the present than in our relationships with people when we truly, as I've referred to before in my podcast, show up. Okay, so that's my thing about the, my rule is to try to be present in the present. Notice it's not a 100% rule, but it's something I strive for and try to build into. And I invite you to, to try the same. Just try an experiment for the week to see if you can be more present, less focused on those thoughts, less allowing the distractions to get in your way. And then we're going to come back next week and start talking about how we can deal with the past and what we do about the future. This is Lee Balkum wishing you the best for a thriving life. listening to the Thrivology podcast. Thank you for listening. If you want more information, visit us at thrivology.com or at thrivologymagazine.com. Remember that Thrivology is spelled T H R I V E O L O G Y. It's your life. Time to live it. Uh-huh.